What's up, guys? It's episode 97. Today, we have Zach Smith back to talk some college football, and we are so excited to start the season. Afterward, we'll do a little bit of a deep dive slash news and notes section with me and V, where we talk about some music industry stuff and just the general vibe that's going on this week in America. Welcome to the Pilot Boys Podcast, where you'll get the real on all things sports, music, and pop culture. And here are your hosts, Vishwant and Partha. It's that time of year again. We got Zach Smith in the building, man. It seems like a lot has changed, including your face. Facial hair, it doesn't exist anymore. Well, it matches the top of your head now. Right. With, with, with the ever-changing landscape of college football, I felt like it was a good time for me to change things up. Well, you know what, Zach? You're looking more like an analyst every day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's get into it. It's been a wild kind of off-season for uh, college football and college athletics. And now we're moving into the actual season. Uh, I think a good spot to start is probably some of the off off field stuff. Um, specifically, the NCAA is under some real fire by the Supreme Court uh, right now with in regards to, you know, player image and likeness, in regards to a lot of things where it seems like the future of the NCAA is at risk. Um, the NIL is a big big change in college football for a variety of reasons. First of all, I think it's right for players to be able to capitalize on their own name, image, and likeness, jersey sales, everything like that. But it seems like the way that they've done it has created kind of a wild, wild west atmosphere that could end up hurting the overall product of college football, the discipline these guys have, the development, the coaches are able to have with these guys if they're distracted by off the field things going on. What's what's kind of been your general um, opinion on NIL and how it's been executed thus far? Well, I mean, I, I really think it was intentionally done this way to create just absolute chaos so that so the NCA could kind of say, see, we told you this was a bad idea when really it's not a bad idea. It's just the most poorly executed concept I've ever seen. I yeah. mean, literally, they had states passing laws that they could benefit from their name, image, and likeness, and the NCAA hadn't said a word about it yet. And these states yep. were, these laws were becoming active, and everyone's kind of looking at the NCAA like, hey, are you guys going to say anything? Like, what are yeah. we doing here? And I think it was intentional. I think they want it to be an absolute shit show. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. It's like create the chaos to to justify your, your, your validity as an institution. Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, we've seen the same strategy happen politically over the last several years as well. So no it's doubt. not it's not like they had to look far to figure out no, no <laughs> to doubt. pull that one out the playbook. Yeah, no doubt. With, with that said, with the coaches that you're you're talking to and the programs you're connected to, how have programs and players responded to this? Is there some fear? of a loss of control, distractions off the field because it's so wild and uncontrolled. But it seems like, but it also seems like some of the bigger institutions like Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson are being pretty active despite the NCAA not being active 
in trying to create some structure around this thing for their guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the the coaches are trying to just keep their hands around their players and make sure they can make that money. They can they they want them. Everyone I talk to is excited about those kids getting that that kind of financial gain, but they're trying to make sure it doesn't impact their development, their their you know their coaching, their teaching, their performance, because it can become a distraction. I mean, you see it every year when a team wins a national championship. You saw it with us in 2014. Immediately after that, kids weren't getting paid, but yeah. they were going everywhere, throwing out first pitches at the Indians games. And, yeah. you know, you just all of a sudden you're all over the place. You're getting uh, magazine cover shoots and all this stuff that can be a distraction to your performance in what really yeah. matters. Right. And so coaches are kind of worried about that and uh, trying to make sure they have kind of rules on on when you can do things. And obviously, like well, the big thing is like, all right, after a game is Justin Fields going to go walk over to the, the RPAC and have a signing after the game for the fans and make like a hundred grand. Right. Yeah. And it's like, all right, at what point as a coach, do you say, all right, we're not nothing on game day or you, you got to make some kind of rules. Right. Yeah. Just to, to keep sanity and, and keep the kids sane. Cause you know, they'll, they'll see a dollar amount and they'll jump at it. Um, yeah. That's the first part. The second part is coaches are worried about where this is going to go with these slush funds that are being created. You see yeah. at the university of Miami and a, and a bunch of other schools are popping up where a company's coming out and saying, all right, we'll give you, $1,000 a month for all 85 scholarship kids. All they have to yeah. do is promote our gym, right? Yeah. And it's like, all right, at what point is there a salary associated with it, right? Like your yep. salary at Alabama, if you are a scholarship player, is 30 grand a year. Yeah. Like, that's going to happen. They're building towards that. And so I think coaches are worried about that kind of race in arms and, yeah. and how will they manage it all. It comes back to what, you, what we started with, right? If you don't have any rules, then everyone's going to try to work toward their advantage. No one's thinking about anyone's benefit, but their own. Right. And the other thing about this, that that's my concern is I'm always been an advocate for players making money, but it's also when you realize that these are 18, 19, 20 year old kids, a thousand dollars, $2,000, $3,000 a month. is a lot of freaking money to start getting distracted in college with. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that's the other fear, right? You can go to the campus campus bar and, and be the man, you know, right. <laughs> and right. buy out the bar essentially, you know, right. Um, that's the other part of this is, is keeping them focused on the fact that, Hey, you've got bigger goals here. You want to make it to the professional leagues. You want to, you want to, you want to make this your career. Therefore you can't get distracted by this this money here, unless that's what you're focused on, right? Like you're, you're here to play football and become the best football player that, that you can possibly be, but that's hard, right? When someone's handing you a couple thousand dollars. You Absolutely. Know? And like, you know, you, you always, you always want to, on a game day, right? You want your, your players to enjoy themselves, but you want them to get around their teammates and their families after games. And, yeah. you know, you don't want them going out to, to seesaw and all these other like clubs where now you're going to deal with, all right, um, see, come party with CJ Stroud at Big Bar, and he's going to be promoting a, an after-game party. And it's like, how do you – I don't know, it's just wild. Wild, wild west. The whole thing has changed. It's just yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That is going to be a weird, weird change in the college experience as well to see your athletes as promoters at events. And, right. You know, that, yeah, that's such a weird concept, Zach. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be wild. <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to make for interesting theater for sure. For sure. Now the other big news of the off season, which again, threatens the 
NCAA and conferences generally is Oklahoma and Texas moving to the SEC and making that announcement. For me, I was very surprised, one, that Texas and Oklahoma would choose to go to the SEC of all places and why the Big Ten, again, I think probably a failure on the Big Ten's part in not attracting at least one of those institutions to the Big Ten. But now we've created a situation where you just have the SEC and then Clemson and Ohio State, basically. Like, conferences are done, you know, <laughs> as a result of this move. And again, the NCAA didn't step in and exert its influence to prevent this from happening. It's just like, what the hell is the future of conference play in college football? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, it, it, it really tells, tells the bigger picture, right? One, that the NCAA has no control. They, they are not anything. They, yeah. I mean, they, they cut, you watch it with the transfer portals. They'll have two guys enter the transfer portal. One is eligible to play, one is not. And there's no rhyme or reason, right? The NCAA has failed so miserably that Texas and Oklahoma, they, did, they would have never cared what the NCAA had to say. Like, yeah. They were never going to stop Texas and Oklahoma. And, and it really, when you look at the Big Ten and their role, like what is the future of the Big Ten, we're obviously so tied into the sports side of it, the athletic side of the Big yeah. Ten Conference. And, and me, I've been pounding my chest for two years about the Big Ten needs to get with the times and try to chase the SEC. The problem is it's run by an incompetent leader and a bunch of school presidents, and they genuinely care about academic prowess more than the SEC. I mean, they – they were not going to even think to entertain Oklahoma coming to the Big Ten because they're not a top 70 university, right? Texas and Oklahoma were, were only going to go together somewhere. And they, they reached out to the Big Ten. They reached out to the SEC and the Big Ten, and the Big Ten said, we'll take Texas, but we're not taking Oklahoma because they're not a good school. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even realize their academic rigor standards were so high. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So I, I I did a episode. I don't actually I don't know. Maybe I didn't put it on an episode, but I, I went and looked at like, why right, is this true? Like, where are all the Big Ten schools rated, right? Mm -hmm. And like, you know, they have a hundred different uh, U.S. news rankings and all these different rankings. Yeah. But it's 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 really crazy to see. I mean, you in the top fifty schools, ten of them are Big Ten schools, and it's like schools yeah. you didn't that I didn't even know were great academic schools, like Illinois. No idea that it was such a yeah. phenomenal school, right? You know, everyone knows Northwestern. Everyone knows Michigan. Ohio State has dramatically increased their academic value over the last 20 years. And it's, it's, it's true. I mean, they brought in Rutgers and brought in Maryland because they're two good schools in different markets, right? Yeah. And uh, that's why you're looking at, all right, would they bring Cincinnati in? Not a great school. Probably not, right? If they're going to turn out Oklahoma, they're going to turn I mean, down some of those other schools too. They should be making a push for Notre Dame. You they know, should be. They should be. And I don't, yeah. I don't know that Notre Dame would ever do it, but they no. absolutely should be. That was our big narrative last season, trying to get Notre Dame to join the Big Ten. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the ACC screwed everything up like they yep. do everything else. They just gave them a free <laughs> pass for a year. I mean, Notre Dame was not going to be able to play football. It was going to be awesome. It was going to be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't even believe that last year was the COVID year, by the way. I, I like no. forgot that we almost didn't have football last year. I know. It's crazy. It's I mean, how is this how is this going to change the landscape of the college football playoff? I know they're talking about extending it. First well, now, of all, I mean, but there's no like none of no other conference can compete with the SEC. That they're they're we're non-factors. I mean, when we're being honest, when you look at the ACC, you look at the Big Ten, you look at the Pac-12, and now you have the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma, mm -hmm. in addition to adding Texas A&M. Uh, a couple years ago, 
what does this say? Are there going to, is it going to be three SEC teams and then <laughs> the better record between Clemson and Ohio State gets in? Like, how is this? Well, is it- <laughs> I, I have no idea. And the good thing is no one does because this is literally the, the biggest transformation of any sport in one off season, I think, ever. Yeah. Um, you look at the name, image, and likeness, the transfer portal stuff that they approve. Yeah. Then you go to the expansion of the playoffs, the conference realignments. I mean, this is just like in one offseason, you're like, holy shit, man, COVID wasn't enough. We had to do all this too. Like, yeah. Why? And COVID is still out here, right? Right. Like, yeah. like, you you all are trying to add games, expand games, like expand conferences. We just want to play a real season. Can we yeah. just start there? Right. But uh, I think what you're going to see, then they had a weird alliance thing, right? Like it was like the the show, the survivor or something like the big 10 and ACC and PAC 12 are going to form an alliance. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) What does it even mean? It's like, Oh, we're not going to play the, the bad, bad guys, the SEC teams. We'll only play each other. It's it's like, okay. We're the Avengers. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, I don't even know what that means, but I think, I think we're heading towards a two, a two conference what, 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 what are you what are we watching we're watching college football transform into the nfl right we're expanding yeah. playoffs so we're going to have a playoff system we're going to create the afc and nfc pretty soon it'll be you know the afc gets four spots the nfc gets four spots and you play the eight teams in the playoffs it, it's we're getting to the nfl model i don't know why college football wants to you know beat around the bush as they get there but eventually we're going to have the nfl model and every, and all the critics of the old bcs and even the college football playoff are going to be looking like that's all we wanted. We've been trying to tell you for 20 years. Like, just do it like the NFL. <laughs> the NFL does a great job with it, too. Right. And it's, if you ever, if you haven't listened to it, uh, I would, I would encourage you to listen to it. Mike Leach goes on a rant, which if you don't listen to Mike Leach rants, I listen to his press conference. Every yeah, week. I love my Mike fa- Leach. My I'll favorite character. In just football. Google. <laughs> yeah. So his rant about the playoff structure is phenomenal because he's and he's so on point. He's like literally every level of football except for major Division One college football does the same thing, right? They, yeah. they have a playoffs at the end of the year. He's like Pop Warner, Pee Wee, middle school, high school, <laughs> like division three, II, division two, II, division one, double A, NFL, every other level has yeah. a playoff structure and college football is the only one that does it. He was like, it's not, it's not that hard to figure out. Like that's what everyone else does. <laughs> that is, it's so bizarre. I mean, it's this year too. I'm, I'm really excited. I, obviously we have to get into, you know, the, the team that really matters the most, but, uh, I'm just so excited to see a full season front to back with a full season of narrative, growth, change, everything, you know, 13, 14 weeks of just football. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm anticipating uh, some chaos still. I'll tell you yes, that much. We, just, we saw it last year in the national championship game, right? The Ohio State had guys out for COVID, couldn't play. Alabama didn't believe in COVID or catch COVID apparently. So you're, you're, you're going to have that happen again. Like the SEC is not going to make them test for anything. And if a kid's yeah. not sick, he's going to play, even if right. he has it. Right. Right. And you're going to see the big 10 sitting kids out because they like, they walked past someone whose uncle had COVID and they're going to have to sit out for two games. It's going to be like, what? this is not parody at all. Like this is, this is terrible. What do you have any sense Zach on um, vaccination rates amongst college athletes? I don't. I mean, I, I would imagine they're pretty high because they, I'm sure they I know that they have set up vaccination like uh, I don't know what you want to call it, like tents, like times at, where the, at va- the vaccine comes to the program. Right. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. kids can get vaccinated. So I'd imagine it's pretty high. Um, I don't know that it's ever going to be 100 percent, but yeah, uh, but I'd imagine it's pretty high. I would I mean, guess. Yeah. If, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was going to say I would guess if it's that if it's in that level of proximity, 
my hope would be that there's not as much chaos this year because more people would be vaccinated might might be for more stability but you never know i mean there's a lot of a lot of distrust but i think like from a kid's point of view if you're at school to play a sport and you have a serious intention about that sport the vaccine is probably something you take regardless of political belief because you just want to play yeah, for sure. But I, I, I just don't know what that does. You know what I mean? Like from my, my understanding of the vaccine, it's, it's, it really vaccinates you for severity, right? Not, not getting COVID. I not- guess I, yeah, I guess I was assuming that if you're vaccinated, that you wouldn't be getting tested to the same level of rigor as everyone else. Yeah. And <clears throat> I don't know that. <clears throat> I think that'll be conference to conference, school to school, to be honest with you. I promise yeah. in the SEC, if you're vaccinated, you will never get tested ever again in your entire life. Never. Right. I would imagine the big 10 still going to test because if I, I don't know. I don't know what their goal would be, right? To not pass, not spread the virus, right? Well, if you're vaccinated and have the virus, you can pass it on. So you're still spreading it. So I, I don't know. It's just, it's going to come down to what the conferences do, what the teams do. I just hope they let them play football. I just want to yeah. see them play football. And if they're sick, you know, get them help, get them in quarantine, yeah. whatever they got to do. But if they're not sick, let them play. Yeah. Now let's, let's, let's get into what matters then. That's a good transition point, which is the football aspect of college football right right uh, i think a great place to start is obviously with the team that is most near and dear to our hearts ohio state a lot of changes happening most importantly at the qb position right mm-hmm. and it seems like it's with quinn ewers coming uh, a year early it has kind of created chaos in that qb room and Ryan Day's ran plans of how he was going to have this QB succession story play out. Do you think, what do you think the, the effects of this are going to be in the short term and long term? right? Because I think this could have an impact on our recruiting, right? Because you can't bring a kid like yours in unless you promised him that he's going to get on the field pretty soon, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's it's interesting because I, I made the prediction a month ago, probably about a month ago, yeah, end of July, that it would be mid-August when one of these three quarterbacks was gone, transferred, yeah. right? And and I don't know what Ryan is telling these kids. I don't know what he's <laughs> telling Jack Miller because Jack Miller is the fourth quarterback yeah. in the room, right? Yeah. I don't know what he's telling this kid to, that this kid is hanging around. Like, yeah. you cannot rep three quarterbacks in practice, let alone four. So you know that kid's not getting many reps. He's sitting there saying, all right, my, my future here is done, right? Yeah. And, and you can only tell the Cardale Jones story so many times. Like, he was third string, and then all of a sudden he was, like, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Like, okay, that that's a rarity. Like, it's probably mm-hmm. not going to happen to me. And at what point does he leave? It's just so crazy, crazy, crazy times that all four are still on campus right now. Um, yeah. That's, I think, the most shocking thing. Quinn, you were skipping his senior year. I think that was, I mean, I know that was mostly financial gain. I yeah, mean, they, financial Yahoo gain, Sports yeah. projected he would make a million dollars his first year in college. No, so he's, he's already crazy. getting deals. He's getting yeah, he's, really. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. He, the the minute he announced he was leaving high school, he he had a kombucha commercial or something. I don't know what that is. Yeah. But he has like a deal with Riker Ford already. Rick signed him to a deal. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he he. he Rolled into town. He got a brand new, like $65,000 truck. Like, yeah. it's just the kid came to make money and he knew, yeah. you know what? I'll, maybe I'll play next year or in two years. I don't care. I'm going to, I'm just start collecting checks. And it, and it goes back to again, it was so simple because he wanted to stay in high school, yeah. but whatever the, the state conference or conference he was in would not allow him to make money off of his name, image, and likeness. And that's yeah. why his hand was forced. 
to come to Ohio State a year early. That's Those pretty nuts are, that you can't do that in high school. Yeah. Uh, it's it's wild. I mean, I, I, I guess I could see how I, – I don't know. I don't know what sport that would apply to. Um, maybe gymnastics. Uh, like no, what, you should what? you should cheer on a high schooler who's figured out a way to make money. Right? <laughs> yeah. That I is like the best about. thing possible. <laughs> yeah. High school kids gonna make a million dollars? Like, yep, yeah. I, I I support that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. great outcome from the school yeah. district. <laughs> <laughs> Good parenting uh, right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's my kid. He, he's gone. He's going to going to collect those checks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> get him a big get him a big bag. Send him off. Right. So with, with with it seems like now we do know that CJ Stroud right now is the number one QB. With what's going on in the QB room, how do you as Ryan Day keep him from looking over his shoulder every game or two games as as yours learns the playbook? Right. <laughs> and he's kind of like the QB. He's the QB in waiting, and you're named the starter. But not only do you have him, but you have two other guys behind you. How much pressure does that create? And how do you, from what you're hearing, how has CJ responded to this? Everything I'm hearing from players is that this guy is a phenomenal talent, obviously. Yeah. But what, what happens here, right? Because I don't see a scenario in which yours isn't on the field by next year. And yeah, I mean, so... You really look at it like Quinn Ewers is the highest rated recruit ever, right? Yes. Whatever that means. I mean, he's certainly not the best player to ever be born, but yeah. I guess rankings <laughs> changed. I don't know, but he's the highest rated recruit ever. And you look at, he's like considered a generational talent, right? He's a yeah, like talent. Yeah. And you look at it and it's like those guys always, those generational talents always start as a true freshman. Yes. They Every do. single one of them. And they yeah. always are exceptional, right? Trevor Lawrence was great. Um, yeah. You look at some of the other guys like Peyton Manning, um, shoot, even Braxton Miller. Andrew like, Luck. Yeah. Andrew Luck. Yeah, Andrew, Andrew Luck. Luck. I mean, there's there's a whole yeah. list of them that I went through yeah. on my show, and I, I forget most of them now. I mean, even like Matt Stafford at Georgia, yeah. right? I mean, there's yeah. a, been a bunch of them, and that's yeah. what Quinn Ewers is supposed to be, right? Yeah. And so is he going to come in and not have that type of career? Because he yeah. could have at Texas. He would have walked yeah. in the door and been the starter. Yeah. So, do, you th do you think that changes now that he's here a year early? Um, is the pressure like is the clock essentially for next year or is there now pressure for this year? Well, I, th I think that because of how it all shook out, Ryan Day has a great excuse to not play him. And the kid has a great excuse to not play his first year. I mean, he showed up like a week and a half before the first game. Like, yeah, you right. You can't He's learn right. the whole offense, execute at a high level and, and win the job. You can't. Right. Yeah. So I think that this year it's going to be about, all right, can he be ready to play in the game midseason in case CJ Stroud struggles? Can he be the guy we hand the reins over to? Right. Because if yeah. CJ Stroud struggles, you're going to have to make a change at quarterback. Right. And I, yeah. I again, I don't think this is going to happen, but this is what they need to plan for. Right. If CJ Stroud goes out and struggles against Minnesota, God forbid, loses to Oregon, you're going to be looking like, all right, we, we made the wrong choice. Right. This is the wrong guy, which yeah. from everything I've heard, he is the right guy. But then is Quinn Ewers that guy? Or are you going to hand it over to someone like Kyle McCord? And now Quinn Ewers is third. Yeah. Now mm -hmm. does that kid hang around? Yeah. Yeah. Just, I mean, that's a great point. So Kyle talking, McCord is a five star. Wasn't he like the number one QB too? Uh, yeah, he was a five star. All everything. I mean, he's, yeah, we're we're stacked at the QB position. So go ahead, CJ Stroud. Okay, I read that he's highly respected amongst his team. V, you echoed the same sentiment. Yeah, Zach. Oh, how, what do you know about him? I I saw him a little bit in last in the the Scarlet and Gray game, but that's about it. Yeah. 
Well, he, um, I mean, he's, he's a phenomenal talent. I know he, last year he wasn't a great thrower. I mean, he played in a handful of games and never attempted a pass. Mm -hmm. So that's how you knew generally as a college football coach, when you get a chance, you're up by a lot and you get to put your backup in, you want him to throw a couple balls, right? You want him to make some mistakes when it's uh, when it doesn't count, basically. Right. Um, before eventually he is the starter like he is now. Right now, CJ Stroud, the first pass he throows, it counts. Like it matters yeah. a lot because the right. score is yeah. probably going to be zero zero. Yeah. Um, so it it makes me nervous a little bit. I know he's been phenomenal at training camp. He he had a great spring, um, but he I don't think he's not a Justin Fields. He's not a Dwayne Haskins throwing the ball yet, and uh, that's been where all his development and all the focus has been, and. Yeah. Um, crazy to think about him like you, you look at the landscape of college football cj stroud bryce young at alabama dj uyunglele at clemson uh spencer rattler at oklahoma and then brock purdy at iowa state right those are probably yeah. the top five six quarterbacks in the country they all are pac-12 country guys yeah all la uh arizona quarterbacks it's easier to throw the ball out there with the weather or the way it, is, right? <laughs> it must be it's just wild so i, I get just yeah, it's a testament to that area of football and a testament yeah. to how I don't know if you listen to those teams. None of them were Pac-12 teams. Nobody wants to go to the USC, UCLA. Nobody. No, not if you play football. No, I mean, <laughs> Oregon, maybe if you like pretty jerseys. I don't know. Yeah, no, you got to go east. So on top of that, we have a pretty tough game against Minnesota right off the bat. A conference game. They're always yeah. a tough opponent. Um, what do you think? opening the season i mean honestly the schedule is pretty tough this year too really tough really tough yeah. and i actually talked to ryan about it it's like man you, you talk about the worst possible scenario to break in a new quarterback a rookie quarterback kind of a revamped defense and start off on the road on a, a in a conference game and then play a national game against oregon in week two i mean it's just it's brutal and yeah. if they can come out of this two and oh no matter what they look like i mean it is a huge win yep. for yeah. ryan day and ohio state and this Minnesota game is not – I feel like Buckeyes have been spoiled, right? And this Minnesota game is not going to be a, a walk in the park. It's not. I mean, they returned, I think, nine starters on offense, eight starters on defense. Tanner wow. Morgan's coming back, so a veteran QB at home, night game. I mean, this is this – They is believe, a, this is, too. It's a setup. Yeah. And it's the, first, it's the first game back after all this stuff, you know? Yeah, and, and beyond the QB position, right? It's like, okay, Ohio State is Ohio State, and we're going to reload, and we're going to – but there are a lot of question marks here. Like, what's happening at the def on the defensive line? We've got two freshmen that seem like they have to play right away. You know, Zach Harrison has to take that leap. Um, where, where do we let's, – let's, let's dig into these positions and, and, and talk about them. You know, what, yeah. what's what's happening along the defensive line? What have you been hearing from camp? Um, how are well, we looking I mean, at that? I think there, so the more that I talk to people and the more that I just kind of watch what's going on, the more confident I am that the defense is going to be much better than okay. last year. Nice. Even after losing all those guys, I mean, frankly, a couple guys that couldn't play and shouldn't have been playing. But yeah. The D-line is going to be absolutely loaded. Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, probably the most underrated guy on the roster. Yep. And then to get Haskell Garrett back, that's yeah. going to be phenomenal. Yeah. And then you get a guy like Teron Vincent Healthy, who was probably one of the top interior D-linemen we recruited in our time at Ohio State. I mean, in my entire seven years. 
Yeah. Um, so I think the D line is going to be loaded. You add in Jack Sawyer and JTT at, at defensive end. I mean, that JTT that from what I've heard is just looks like an NFL player. He's yeah. Kind of chase he, young he's he's yeah, going to be he starting. looks like an NFL player right yeah. now. He's he's the Chase Young, Chase Young type. type. For sure. And I hate I hate those labels. People try to do it to Zach Zach Harrison, and I I was like screaming from a mountaintop not yeah. to do it because he didn't look like Chase Young. He wasn't going to play like Chase Young. This kid looks like him. I'm not trying to label him the next Chase Young, but he looks like him. He came walked in from high school, and you look at him and you say, "Holy shit, is that guy in the NFL? Yeah, or is he like a freshman in college? Yeah." And what people take for granted too is that it is a big leap from high school to college. Even Chase, oh, yeah. his first season, he played and he started. But he wasn't the impact player he was in his second and third years. Right. So, you know, those are kind of the the questions when you bring in these young guys. But like you said, having Haskell back, which was a good surprise. Vincent um, and Tariq Smith kind of as the veterans leading these guys along that path because I think Jack Sawyer is just as much of a monster as JTT. He just isn't getting the same level of hype once we got JTT, you know? Yeah, there's no doubt. <laughs> and I mean – you, you watch those two guys film and they were dominant, right? Yeah. Zach Harrison was never dominant in high school. He was just freaky. Like he was, yeah. fr had freaky talents, right? Freaky abilities. He was never just took over games and dominated them. But yeah, those two are different. Those two are going to be, I mean, ridiculous, probably year one. So what about last year's biggest woe for us, the secondary? What do you think? I know Seven Banks is coming back. Last year, we talked a little bit about guys being in positions that they weren't necessarily accustomed to. Uh, what's it shaping out to be this year? Well, I think, I mean, I think this, I'm, I think I'm most excited about the secondary mainly because, um, because they had, they, they've kind of reshuffled the defensive staff, right? Um, you watch that defense when Jeff Halfley was coaching the secondary. I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. Granted, he had two first round corners, but I mean, it was just, it was phenomenal. When and you yeah. watch last year, it was just one of the most poor, poorly executing secondaries I've seen. And it wasn't like a lack of talent. I mean, you're going to have <clears throat> seven banks, Cameron Brown coming back from injury, and let's not forget Cameron B Brown was ahead of seven banks two years ago um, and was the third corner in the game with with Okuda and Arnett. And so he kind of had a couple injuries and Achilles and, and a couple things happen where now he should be 100%. You should have, you should have two solid corners. That's just to start, right? Lathan Ransom was a breath of fresh air last year, so he's going to play a ton probably in that, I don't know what they want to call it. They make up names like Bullets or – rockets or whatever the positions are that they yeah. want to call them he's like a nickel <laughs> right um and then yeah i think josh proctor in the post is is going to be a household name sooner than later and um matt barnes from what i understand is one of the like one of the best teachers that ryan day has ever been around and handing him the secondary to let him teach and coach and develop them and let carrie just kind of step back and run the show i think it's going to be it's going to work it's going to work wonders for this defense so I'm actually really excited about the secondary because I know the skill they have. And now that I, from what I've heard about Barnes is that he's such a phenomenal teacher and coach that I'm excited to watch him play. I bet you it's going to be a lot like Jeff Halfley's defense two years ago. Yep. Love that. And, and now the most traditional position, right? The silver bullets. We've had issues at linebacker for a few years now since, since Luke left, I would say we've had issues at, at linebacker. What do you see of that group? coming into the season well none of them can cover Devonte smith one-on-one -on -one. so if, if, that, if we let that happen it doesn't really matter you get yeah. a dick butt kiss out here and we're gonna suck um but I, i'm excited about it because taraja mitchell i recruited him he's an explosive he i've, I've, I've kind of compared him to he's like a combination of of curtis grant and raekwon mcmillan right not quite as 
doesn't run quite as well as Raekwon, but he's a huge hitter like Curtis Grant was. So he's somewhere in between. And I know they haven't announced any starters yet, but the kid's a captain. So you can go ahead and pencil him in as a starter. And then I'm yeah. excited about some of the some of the talent they have. But Craig Young, who's a freaky athlete, I think yeah. uh, I, I really think they have a number of players that that could become great players. Uh, just given given reps, given game experience, getting getting coached the first couple weeks, uh, I think you got a chance to be decent at linebacker. And we're not going to be worse. I mean, I think yeah. Baron Browning was was very talented at times, but he was also inconsistent. Um, Pete Warner was like the unsung hero because he was the best of the three, <laughs> and then Tough Borland was kind of a liability every game, game in, game yeah. out. So I think we're improved automatically. I, I, right now, it's an improved group that's going to trot on the field on Thursday. Yep. That lets us switch to the side that most fans care most about, right? The offensive side of the ball. We kind of know what we have at receiver. Um, we are loaded at receiver. <laughs> like loaded. there's no, probably the best receiver group in the entire country by far, if you go top to bottom um, in terms of talent. But new quarterback and potentially, again, a freshman coming in at the running back position that you can't keep off the field seems like Travion Henderson is like mature beyond his years, mm -hmm. developed beyond his years, and kind of ready to be the next great Ohio State back. But you have guys that have been there like Master Teague um, and, and other guys that have looked good in their opportunities, not necessarily next generation like a Zeke, but have looked good. How do you see um, Coach Alford handling that position group? Well, I mean, I think I think it's going to have to be a position where where Travion Henderson takes it eventually, right? Yeah. You're going to probably trot Mayan Williams out as your starter because he's kind of showed he came on strong at the end of the year, had a great spring, has had a great training camp. So you roll him out, master fits where he fits, and then you get Travion Henderson reps, get him some touches, and he might just have some Saquon Barkley plays where you he kind of takes the position and and runs with it. And I think yeah. that's. That's going to be his plan. He's not going to roll him out there as a starter week one. He's going to make him take it, right? Yeah. And I think uh, I think it's that's ultimately what will happen. But he's never going to go to a one-back system, right? He's always going to have two or three guys that get reps. And Master serves a, a role. He's a great pass blocker, great short yardage, powerful runner. He's just not an every down back at a place like Ohio State. Yep, yep, yep. An offensive line, it seems like there, there's obviously been some turnover, um, but it seems like that's a group to be excited about too. I mean, I think the offensive line is the best in the country. And, and yeah. if, if no more evident than they had last year, the best tackle combination in college football, right. In, yep. in uh, Nick Petit Friere and, and Thayer Mumford. Yep. Well, then they had this kid, Dewan Jones, who's supposedly a lottery pick. I mean, top five, top 10 pick looks like if you saw a picture of him and Orlando pace, he makes Orlando pace look small, which is yeah. wild. Because Orlando Pace is the biggest human I've ever seen. I've never seen anyone bigger than him. So <laughs> you look, look that picture up on the internet. Look up the picture of Dewan Jones and Orlando Pace, and you'll go, what the? Holy shit. It's wild. So Dewan Jones is going to start at right tackle. Thayer Mumford, who gave up zero sacks at, at, at tackle last year, is going to slide in and play guard, which I've never heard of that happening ever. Yeah. And, and you're going to have Paris Johnson, who's going to be a first-round pick at the other yeah. guard, and then probably Harry Miller at center. Who has had a whole offseason, you know, and a spring football with no COVID yeah. to to prepare to be the center? I mean, if Harry Miller holds his own at center and can snap the ball and can be just proficient at center, this would be the best offensive line group Ohio State's ever had. And that's, Which is that's amazing a for a rookie yeah. quarterback. 
Oh yeah. yeah. I mean, we, you need it. You need, you're going to need that line. You're going to need the run game and he's got the weapons. I mean, CJ Stroud is going to be set up for success. He just got to go do it. Yeah. 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 So how do you see the offense changing now? Right. With from last year, progressing another year with Ryan, Justin well, the, Fields gone, CJ Stroud in. So what here, here's the one thing expect? I'm excited to see. And I think everyone should be excited to see. And I don't hear people talk about it enough is, is since Ryan day took over, He's been dealing with a one quarterback roster, right? Yeah. He had Dwayne Haskins and no one else. Then yeah. he had uh, Justin Fields and no one else, right? <laughs> and so now he's got an opportunity with four quarterbacks. I'd imagine two of them can play at a pretty high level, right? Yeah. He can run CJ Stroud a little bit because CJ Stroud's a great athlete, right? Yeah. So now how much QB run is involved? Because yeah. QB run, and Ryan knows this, Ryan's been a spread guy his whole life. Quarterback run is one of the most dynamic things to sprinkle in an offense. Yes. And he's never had the flexibility to use it because if Justin Fields goes down, I'm trotting out at quarterback, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> a bad day. So I'm excited to see how much stuff they do with the quarterback, how much QB run, how much, you know, uh, RPO stuff where, where the ball's in his hands on run plays and he might have to scramble and run. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. That's that's what I think is most uh, – the biggest question mark I have is how much how much is C.J. Stroud going to run? Yeah. 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 I think I think that's to your point, that's an advantage of not having somebody who shines so much brighter than everybody else in that position because you really do you you get to confuse the defense a lot because they just don't have any idea what you could be doing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. What what an awesome outcome. And man, I gotta say, Ohio State's marketing team has been crushing it on Instagram prepping crushing for the season. It. Like I'm watching all these phone calls of like coaches yeah. calling people's parents. Like I saw, I saw one of the coaches calling, um, I think it might've been Ryan day calling, uh, their Mumford's mom to let him know that he was a captain this year. Yeah. And man, like no one else is doing this stuff, but this is what I love about being a fan of this program. Just oh, it's crazy. It's crazy. And I don't know who does it, but I see it all the time. These, these marketing firms that kind of evaluate brands, right? And they put out yeah. analytics about interactions on social media. And, and I mean, every time it comes out, Ohio State is far and away number one in the country. It's, you know, social media interactions, posts, content views, and Clemson is always two. And yeah. I think they're, they're really, they're setting the pace in that content creation market. Uh, <laughs> we, we, Alabama, I mean, Ohio State and Clemson win with content. Alabama wins with money. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. <laughs> Alabama wins by making deals with the devil in the background. <laughs> with properly aligned priorities. <laughs> COVID people dying. Wait a minute now. Yeah. We're trying to win a national championship. All right? Saban goes somewhere, sacrifices a player. Right. <laughs> with that said, it seems like we're a national championship contender again every year. That is the expect- expectation at Ohio State. The rest of the landscape, who are the teams to watch? We know Alabama, Clemson. Who are the other teams to kind of look out for that could actually give the big three a push this year? Well, I mean, I, I think um, I think the biggest team right now out there is, is Oklahoma because you look at who's won the national championship the last, well, I don't know, five years, and it's always been with a first-round quarterback or like a big-time quarterback, right? It was Trevor Lawrence. It was Tua Tungavailoa. It was Mac Jones who just won the Patriots' job, yeah. and Cam Newton got kicked to the curb. I mean, it's it's been a, a like a first a round quarterback every year. Yeah, and yeah. and so Spencer Rattler at the end of last year, and everything I've heard about him this offseason, he's going to be QB one coming out in the NFL draft. So it's hard to bet against that guy. On top of the fact that we talked about it on his show, 
Oklahoma's defense has gotten so much better under Alex Grinch. And, and they just had a whole nother offseason of him to develop and mm. teach and coach and assemble his defense. I think Oklahoma is going to be the first team in the Big 12 to play good defense this year. It's going to be like first time in 15 years that a good defense is on a Big 12 field. And with the, the best quarterback in the country, he's got weapons everywhere. They've recruited their balls off at Oklahoma from Theo Weiss is a great player. I mean, they, they have great players all, all over the field. Their running back is the guy that beat Trey Sermon out and got him to transfer to Ohio State. I mean, they're loaded. They're loaded. Yeah. And I think Oklahoma is the team to beat in this in this race for the national championship. Yeah, I got to say, I love watching Rattler play. He is yeah. he is so good with the ball. I can't stand the kid, but no, great the, player. No, I actually like it's endearing to me, the the ego and the attitude. I actually like right. I like players who can back it up, you know? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, there's no doubt. There'll yeah. be a point where it's irritating when we when we have to play. Say, just wait well, either, yeah, either he's going to turn into Johnny Manziel or he's going to turn into uh, a, a greater version of himself. Hopefully well, you look at it. I, mean, I guess Kyler Kyler Murray was pretty even keeled. But yeah, I mean, it's like Lincoln just. Either he, he attracts that or he develops it, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, Baker Mayfield was like that, planting flags yeah. and, and, you know, getting drunk and running from cops. Like, just kind of, <laughs> kind of a little badass, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kyler was, Kyler's been built different. Yeah. He, he was, Kyler was like was a robot. Even grown ass man. Yeah. But, but he's very arrogant, though. He's oh, yeah. He's very, oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> well, wouldn't you be though if you were like a high draft pick in baseball and the number one overall yeah, pick I'd in football? Pretty, I'd be pretty. I'd be pretty sure of myself. Of <laughs> you just you, you would walk on the field every day like I'm way better at everything <laughs> than anyone here. Like, I look at everyone that got drafted in the NFL and be like, yeah, that's cool. Did you get drafted in baseball too or no? <laughs> no, I was a first rounder in both. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, doesn't get drafted yeah. in one sport. Try two. Yeah. <laughs> so it's gonna be. It's gonna be. Be exciting. There are any other teams like? <clears throat> well, I'll tell you the other the other team that I've heard a lot about is North Carolina, which which oh wow, I would Mac be Brown. so excited to see Mac Mac Jones get or Mac Jones Mac Brown get <laughs> back in that national title because they have Sam Howell who's a who's going to be a first round quarterback. Um, they've been building their 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 program right. They have they're more talented at at line. They have some skill at receiver, and ultimately the ACC sucks. Um, I think that that. This is a year where Clemson might get unseated. They probably won't, but you look at North Carolina veteran quarterback, a chance to be a really good team, might be able to unseat Clemson. And Miami with De'Eric King. I mean, if, yeah. there's, if there's a time for someone to beat Clemson, the time is now. Yep, it is. It is. Going be, gonna to be a crazy, crazy season. Um, before we get you out of here, there are two other things that we need to talk about. One is... Both of us, you you brought Mac Jones to our attention early last year. I jumped on the bandwagon with you. Uh, <laughs> we just found out this morning Cam Newton got cut, and Mac Jones is going to be the starter as a rookie in New England. That should say a lot in terms of validating your opinion there, <laughs> Zach. I mean, if, if Bill Belichick agrees with me, I feel like I'm on the right side of an argument, right? <laughs> um, yeah, it was crazy. I don't know if you've seen the social media post, but they put a side-by-side -side of Cam Newton this offseason with his shirt off and Mac Jones in the locker room after the <laughs> national championship with his shirt off. And it's like shredded Cam Newton and this fat-ass quarterback, Mac, Mac Jones. But yeah, I... I mean, I love Mac Jones. I thought when they drafted him, I was like, oh boy. I mean, that's just that's that's a Belichick move right there. I think he's yep. a Tom Brady type of player. I really do. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. 
yeah. you know, while while we're on on Cam, just wanted to give him a quick shout out. Poor guy has been going through a lot, but you know, he's been a strong supporter of my brand since day one. So I'm a strong right. supporter of his. And you know what? Pe- people give him too much criticism. I mean, the, the yeah, guy just loves. I mean, I've I've known the kid since he was 17 years old, and he's he just he loves playing the game. He has fun. He's a little flamboyant about it, and people sometimes it rubs him the wrong way. But yeah. he's having a great time, and he's had a great career. Yeah. And the great thing about Cam Newton that we all know is he's going to be successful after football. He's just he's, he's built different. He's yeah, built he's a different. Good dude. He's yeah. a good dude for sure. So so he'll yeah. be fine, and I'm sure someone will pick him up um, if he wants to extend his career. But if he wants to if he wants to 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 call it a career, there's going to be plenty of people willing to give him some high paying jobs. So. There's no doubt, and, and, and I will set up, I will set up your segue for you because let me tell you where he can play right now. It's the Bishop Sycamore High School. They're letting anybody at any age play. So if he wants to play, he can go dominate high school football a little bit if he wants. Yeah, Zach, you have to tell us what's going on with this Bishop with Sycamore. We're in. They're in the backyard in our backyard in Columbus, Ohio. Columbus has a lot of very good football programs, but yet somehow this isn't like some rural buttfuck city that they're building this program. Right. This isn't a real American city. Like, like a top 15 city in the country. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> um, it's crazy because so if you, if you look back at the COF Academy is what they first tried to call it and started. I was at Ohio State when they did it. And I first found out about them. I was recruiting Cameron Babb and Cameron Brown out of St. Louis. And I went into Christian Brothers College and uh, I'm talking to the head coach there. And this is, you know, this is a pretty nationally prominent high school in St. Louis. They play some national games. And he says, hey, tell me about what is uh, what do you know about COF Academy? And I looked at him like, what I've, you got any other detail? Like, what do you, where is it? I don't know what you're talking about. He was like, well, supposedly it's like an IMG type of school in Columbus. I was like, There's, that doesn't exist. He was like, are you sure? And he showed me the emails. They were trying to set up a national game. And I looked at him. I was like, I coach at Ohio State. You don't think I would know about an IMG in Columbus? Like, <laughs> no, it doesn't exist. <laughs> then I met the guys that were running it. It was the shadiest thing I've ever been like heard of. Like just the way they were talking about it. Like they wanted, they're trying to get people involved, getting Ohio State coaches to help. And I'm like, no, I'm out. So that was the last I heard of it. I thought it it ended up falling apart, falling through. It was in the news. Like didn't it? It just crumbled, right? Had no foundation, mm-hmm. no legs, and it was over. I thought until yeah. I turn on the TV to watch IMG versus Bishop Sycamore, and the son of a bitch is on the sideline coaching Bishop Sycamore. I was like, holy crap! He just changed the name and he did it. He's right here. <laughs> and I mean, I talked to Jeff Green. If you don't know Jeff Green, he played for me yeah. at Ohio State. He was gonna be the receiver coach there, and, and like after a week or two, he was like, "No, nah, I'm out. This is shady." And um, he he even said like some of those kids. He said it before the game. He's like. IMG is going to be sick when they found out half those kids are Juco rejects and like 22 years old. They're not even yeah. high school kids. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's crazy. I, it was interesting because a lot of the narrative I read was about player safety. And, you know, that uh, obviously like you can have that argument, but I just don't think that's the primary issue here. I think the primary issue is how did these guys get on a national broadcast. Right. I respect the hell out of it personally. Like, <laughs> how, how do you, as a non-existent school, go through all of the supposed 
regulatory bodies. A player can't make a dollar off the field and they'll they'll catch you in high school. <laughs> but this program can get created. I mean, build themselves amazing. up and make people believe they're the IMG of Columbus, Ohio and get a nationally televised game against IMG. This is a movie script, right? It really is, though. You look at like if you dig into any of it, like you go to their website, it's like a blog website that you pay for like WordPress $1.99 a month to have. Like, and, and like they, they were living in motel sixes and the coach wasn't paying the bills. So they'd have to move to a different motel. And then now, now the guy has arrest warrants out for it. Like just the, the 30 for 30 on this is going to be phenomenal. <laughs> Man, I love it. So on that note, if you get a uh, recruiting letter for your kid in, in high school for Bishop Sycamore, don't do it. <laughs> no. <laughs> Or at least ask how much they're going to pay you first. Right. Or do it. You might be in a movie one day. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> According to them, they've got uh, four first-round draft picks, potential right. first-round draft picks on their roster. So right. You well, might be good because they're 23 years old playing against 17-year-olds. <laughs> this is like that movie Gridiron Gang. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I'm going to pull it up now just so I can, I can tell you guys about it. A buddy of mine sent um, – the, an Instagram of one of their best players. It's it's official J Naborn. And he's he's got offers on his like Instagram and it's supposed to be like an Ohio State photo shoot like they do on official visits. And it is the worst looking thing. Like you can tell there's no way this was at Ohio State, right? It's completely fabricated offers. It's just unbelievable. The, the, and the head coach is in the pictures. You can yeah. just look it up. It's You're going to look at him and be like, oh God, this is what what does this tell us about the state of ESPN? Well, I don't know. When your announcers are on air saying we uh, we got a bunch, you know, they sent us all their info and we couldn't find any of it on Google. And like you're basically saying we we tried to vet them but couldn't, so we just said screw it, put them on. Unbelievable, fifty eight zero. Definitely told the story for us though. No doubt. But it, these stories are great though. I, I think they're it's always great to showcase that how easy it is to con the system if you're just willing to try right you know right, <laughs> right. just give it a shot <laughs> it's like it's I... like taking the uh you know the mailbox to an empty lot to a whole new level yeah right. i mean <laughs> well, they, i don't know if you guys saw the abc they went around to all the addresses that they were listed one was like a duplex in the hood another one was the franklin library <laughs> like the, the addresses <laughs> they use it are like they're funny Oh man! I mean, nothing Americans love more than a good con. Even after yeah. Bernie Madoff, there's probably been a thousand new Bernie Madoffs that people yeah. are filing for every day, and yeah, this is no just an extension of that. No <laughs> well, on that note, Zach, this has been fantastic. We're so glad to have you back. Glad to be back in football season, and uh, man, itching for this game on Thursday. Well, I can't wait! Can't wait! I'm I'm, I'm excited to watch it. Going to live stream it on YouTube. And do I'm I'm actually gonna do a call in show at halftime to let people call in and complain. So it's, I'm pretty I'm really excited about it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing! How can people find you for that? Uh, if they go to just YouTube, uh, our YouTube channel, Menace to Sports on YouTube, well, it'll it'll be I'll, I'll be there Thursday live stream and we're rolling. Love that! I'm gonna have that pulled up while I'm watching. For sure, yeah. comment. I, I, it's fun. I I've never done it till last year postseason. I did it twice. And it was a blast. People were like asking me questions. I'm watching the game. It was like hanging out with a bunch of friends on YouTube. You know what I mean? Oh, I love nice. that. I love that. Nice. I might have to place a call. We'll see. There you go. Yeah. Call in. I might have to join you for one of these one week. 
Absolutely. <laughs> I'll call in and say, I have a friend named V who has the total wrong take on this. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, let's let's get to it. Look forward to, to talking to you again next week, man. Definitely. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. All right. See you, Zach. See you. Show the Pilot Boys some love by getting some of our exclusive merch at shop.pilotboys.com. You're listening to the Pilot Boys Podcast. Hey, this is Partha. Not only am I a pilot boy, but I'm also the CEO of Lasso. I started Lasso to help people improve their movement on a daily basis. We design and create compression apparel that enables you to move confidently, recover safely, and ultimately be the best version of yourself. We use a patented compression technology that activates key ligaments and tendons to help you improve your proprioception, coordination, and balance on a daily basis. Lasso socks were recently ranked number one by Men's Health because of how much they improve how your body works and the overall comfort, softness, and feel of the product. We're very proud of the Lasso socks, so check them out on our website at lassogear.com or at lassogear. Undo Media is proud to be the production partner for the Pilot Boys. Storytelling is what they do. From video production, podcasting, and consulting, Undo Media's focus is on telling your story. Find out why four Emmys and hundreds of clients will back up why you should contact Undo Media for your next project. Look them up at undomedia.com. Episode 97. We're just talking about it. It's been almost a full 50 episodes, I think, since you've uh, you started. We're getting there, man. We're getting there. Yeah, I don't remember which one I started on. It was like maybe 52, I think. 50? Yeah, 51 or 52. 52. 51. But 100, we're going to call it. 100 is going to be my one-year anniversary on this. Although it doesn't necessarily make sense because when I joined... I remember us talking about COVID and football. So it would have been about this time last year. Yeah, we're pretty close to it. Pretty close to it. I think you started episode 51. Uh, I think so. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it was crazy times last year, but man, I'm so glad to be back kind of in a normal rhythm with life. Yeah, I I agree. I think there's, there's a lot more to talk about. Um, Last year was kind of every week we were talking about COVID. So (laughs) so crappy. I think we've learned over the last year that these like rituals we have, sports, like you know, seasonality and different things, like the like the the things you grow up thinking are corny, like uh, corny. uh, It's funny the example I'm going to use, but like a corn maze, like in the fall, right? Like all that stuff you do when you're growing up that you're as an adult, you're like too cool for all of a sudden. It's like yeah that's how you establish some sense of grounding in your life you know in a in a year where we didn't have any of these things that we use to mark time and give us some sense of like purpose or things to look forward to it was it was a rough year for many oh yeah it was and it's still people are still going through struggles new new things popping up this is a crazy world we live in crazy shit happening every day but that's why the distractions are important right yeah you gotta have fun along the way yeah you do, you do, and uh, you know. Well, let's 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 talk about some of the interesting things that are happening. Great time in music right now. Um, Nelly released a country album you sent over to me that is pretty damn good. Yeah, it was um, unbelievable. Nine tracks of of straight country from Nelly. I mean, his first album was called Country Grammar, so this is something that clearly is an influence for him musically. Um, yep. that he just hadn't tapped into fully um, 
up until this point. But, you know, when you talk about having a second wave or a second career, it seems like Nelly could really make some impact here in the country music world. Yeah, and I would absolutely go to a Nelly country show in a heartbeat. I think it would be probably one of the most fun nights of my life. Yeah, I think this is kind of what people were hoping that Lil Nas X would do with his career that he <laughs> hasn't done. Instead, he just sits on Twitter and creates controversy all day yeah. um, versus versus making more good just, country music. Maybe if he made more country music, he wouldn't be as mad at the world. He became <laughs> the uh, LGBT face of the industry. Yeah. Every lyric that's written for him gets changed from whoever the writer is. They just change the gender to make it a gay lyric. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, okay, even gay people are going to be turned yeah. off by yeah. the fact that you're forcing this down their throats. Yeah. Like, you hear this shit. You're just like, yo, what? Yeah. This dude started with Old Town Road and he's turned into this like literally just industry like machine. Yeah. He's a meme. Yeah. I mean, good for him. I mean, yeah. I like I don't know if he necessarily had the the uh flavor. Like I appreciate the flavor he brings to the table like with his with his just general color and personality, but yeah. I don't know if he had the artistic skills to carry his own artist career without going this route. Yeah, he may not have and you know and, and it, they tried so many different lanes with him versus sticking to what Work. He should have been a country hip hop artist with Old Town yeah. Road. If he went down that path, he would have been huge because yeah. it wouldn't have been complicated to. It's just taking the country vibe and adding some 808s to it, some decent lyrics, and the fact that he had already kind of owned the lane, people would have would have gravitated toward it. Yeah, and I think country too is in need of some reinvention. It's a genre that you know has just been the same really since the 90s sonically and in the last three to four years we've heard a lot of new artists emerge like i'm thinking of guys like morgan wallen um sam hunt you know a lot of guys that uh, obviously florida georgia line over the last decade but people who are able to bring it in a more pop direction and bring a little bit more swag into the genre but uh you know they're it's still at the same time it's still that same like southern white thing that's going yeah. on in country so that's what's so nice about seeing nelly do it because it brings some culture some swag and uh, you were talking about it with the 808s like some bounce that honestly like if you're white it's very hard to learn how to create that yeah it is and and you'll be surprised at how many minorities enjoy country music too you yeah know? Um, dude that's actually I think country is one of my favorite genres and it's very hard for me to find friends who want to listen to it. Yeah. It's, it's got this like stigma to it where I think a lot of people just are told that it's corny to like it. So they never even explore whether or not they would like it if they listen to it. Yeah. You know? And I think you got to open yourself up too. Yeah. Give everything a chance. You'll be surprised yeah. at what you'd like. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the lesson from, from, from the Nelly album. Yeah. Now, obviously, Nelly isn't the biggest story in music um, over the last week. Let's get this one out of the way, which is Kanye West finally dropped his Donda album over the weekend. Well, technically, he says that the label dropped it without his permission, which by this point, we all should know is a crock of shit. He's and then gonna... right after, blamed baby's manager for not clearing a track, which baby's manager then said hey y'all never called me bro i cleared yeah. it in two seconds once it hit my desk yep 
and Chris Brown coming out like he's creating a see I'm wondering if this is all like he's just paying all these people to like say these things <laughs> or is he really at the point that he's so big and so massive and so disconnected that he doesn't understand the value of maintaining strong relationships because I mean, he's a- just he's just he's just literally like an atomic bomb going off right yeah <laughs> and right now like a kanye fan sounds like a trump apologist you know what yeah. i mean like if you can't say out loud that your favorite artist is an asshole then you're not being objective in this situation like kanye is definitely being an asshole in this situation yeah. like yeah. the way that he treats his fans the way he put together the project the way he put together the whole experience like you can make as many justifications as you want about all the high art Kanye studies and you know his taste, which is excellent, his skills, which are excellent. But the way he treats people is miserable and it's poor and it needs to be called out. And I think as an industry, people are starting to hopefully say, hey, I'm not fucking with this guy the next time he drops a project. I'm not going to give you a verse the next time you drop a project. Soldier Boy did it, but Soldier Boy is kind of the meme lord. Right. I mean, Chris Brown was the biggest artist that came out and and basically said he's a clown, you know, and stop fucking with him. Basically, that's what he said, you know. Um, but the music also wasn't very good. No, <laughs> it that's, was dated. that's another part of it. Right. Like the to same. then hear people who won't acknowledge the personal failings, then still try to find reasons to love the album. It's like, yo, you're embarrassing yourself right now. This is objectively bad. Yeah, it's not a good album. It's way too long, way too cluttered. Just, it's like, I think what happens is, this is what happens with fame, I think, when you get to a certain level of fame. Quite, Kanye is one of the most famous people in the world, um, without a doubt. But I think somewhere along the line, he lost his compass, maybe when his mom died, of people around him that didn't, just like you said, apologize and accept um the things that he does because it's great it's clear that kanye just will do anything for attention he doesn't care as long as it's provocative right like that's as long as long as it keeps moving the needle and keeping kanye's name it doesn't matter how it affects his character how it affects how people look at him is any of that it doesn't matter it's just strictly about how do I generate as much attention around myself as possible? It doesn't matter if it's good. He read somewhere that there's no such thing as bad attention. And he's literally taken that to heart yeah. and, and lives by that principle. I don't, I don't know who the guy is. Like, I wouldn't want to be around him. I wouldn't want to be his friend. Like, who is this guy that thinks, thinks and behaves? 100%. Like and that's the reality of the situation is if you took away his history, and you just had a guy acting like that, nobody in their right mind would support or like him. Yes. He's just being a dick in For general, no right? Yeah. No. For no reason. Just <laughs> yeah. out here, just not making friends, making enemies, you know? Yeah. And it's super self-involved. It's super narcissistic. And it's, you know, as as somebody who has decent overlap into the entertainment industry with my work, right? I'm... I have no interest in spending any time or energy around that kind of person or yep. camp, let's say, yep. right? Despite the power, despite that I can make more money and despite whatever impact I could make by being in that crew, there's just 
a way that people react and act sometimes in the entertainment industry that you just should steer away from if you want to be a healthy and happy person. And I think Kanye just demonstrates all of the negative characteristics of the entertainment industry right now. And he's a guy who's, who feels he's been persecuted by that same industry, really by the music and fashion industry. And it's ironic that he's now flipped it. And, you know, when I listen to this project, it's like, great, there's some songs on there I do like. You know, there's it. There's not, it's not like it's, it lacks. It's, all, it's not all bad, but when you yeah. look at it as a collective and as a project, it's not a good project. Right. And at the same time, like, how much of this did Kanye actually do? You know what I mean? Like yeah. most of this album was at other people. You know, the writer list, the producer list is like nine people long on certain tracks. Kanye is essentially a creative director, right? Like throughout time, throughout his his catalog of music, it, certain things got revealed. Like Kid Cudi deserves as much credit for Kanye's 808s and Heartbreaks as Kanye does. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, Consequence has been a consistent writer for him. Like Kanye simply creates the landscape, creates the environment. And, but the problem that I have with him is he takes all the credit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's my thing, right? If you're a creative in that room, don't you realize your juice is what this dude is taking and selling as his own? Like if, if you're the collective group that worked on these tracks, right? Maybe it's a hundred different people that worked on this album. Probably. Yeah. That's a hundred people that could have been like, eh, I'm good. You know, yeah. I'm going to work on my own project. That's what confuses me is that still, despite everything he's done, people are still excited to get a call from Kanye West. Like, yeah, it's it's like I think it's that the media, like once people maybe he's right, maybe being this crazy is going to keep people attracted to you. I don't know. It seems to it seems to not be affecting him n negatively in terms of consumption standpoint he's a billionaire now you know what yeah. i mean so. yeah no i mean it's crazy too it's like when you talk to kanye fans they don't like to listen to your opinion if you're not a fan of him and to me that's the rationale for giving an objective opinion is that yeah. i have no emotional tie-in right yeah. like even when i am a fan of somebody it's not if i don't know the person i feel i feel comfortable calling a spade a spade you know mm -hmm. what I mean? I have criticisms and I have things I like about everybody that I know, including myself. But yeah. in general, most people tend to move and act a certain way that I like to spend time with and I like to listen to interviews, etc. And like with with Ye, like I respect what he's done with his career, but I'm also sad to see where he's gotten to as a person. It It feels hollow and it feels empty. Yeah. Once somebody loses accountability in life and feels the feel because accountability isn't like a real thing. It's something you actually have to feel right internally. The, the thought of I'm accountable to someone or something bigger than me. And it just seems like he doesn't feel that accountability and hasn't surrounded himself with people um, that force him to try to take that accountability in any way, shape or form. You see it with the way that the the Kardashians acted. He was just a money bag for them, right? Yeah. Like it didn't matter what he did. Kim would sit there beside him. You know what I mean? And yeah, and, and not question anything about him. So it's just it's sad to see. And if if there if that's what you aspire for, like when you understand and you tell yourself, "I want to be rich and famous one day," understand that 
looking at that guy or you'll see some of the consequences of that. And you don't want to yeah. be a human being like that. And it's just sad because I was a huge fan of Kanye. Um, Me specifically, too. specifically the college dropout. It's one of the best albums and one of the albums that I related to the most in terms of my personal story and my personal journey of any artist that's, that's written an album, right? There's albums that I like more, but I really related to that album. And I think yeah. a lot of people do. And it, that's why everyone says, you know, I miss the old yay, you know? Yeah. I and, think with, with Yeezus, with My Beautiful Doctor Sid Fancy, and with 808s, Kanye has three of my favorite albums ever. Yeah. It, it, which is, you know, nothing but respect for what he's accomplished, by the way. But I think there there is this point where it doesn't matter what you do in society. There's just a way you treat people. There's a way you communicate. There's a way that you understand. Like, when you have platform, there's just a responsibility I hold people to in terms yeah. of how much you take care of how you speak. Yeah. And, you know, I'm a, you know, segueing a little bit also, I'm a fan of being competitive, right? You can be competitive without being petty, yeah. without being cheap, without being low grade. And I just don't feel like this situation specifically, we know why the album was rushed out Sunday. It wasn't the label. You released the album because Drake announced earlier in the week in a really, really cool way yeah. that he was dropping his album on the third and you wanted to beat him to the bunch. And you don't realize that Drake has far surpassed you, you know, as a talent, as an artist. And the difference between Drake and Kanye is the humility, which Drake isn't a humble guy, obviously, but the humility with which he approaches his craft Yes. is the reason why he continues to win in music because he always thinks he can learn more. He approaches this game like a student, not like a master or a teacher, whereas Kanye thinks he's like Yoda and everybody else is is beneath him, right? And yeah. even Yoda didn't think that way. Star Wars, that's why he was a the greatest character, right? Because he was the best, but he was wise enough to be humble, right? And... And, and that's the contrast you see is that Drake will find an unknown artist. He will explore new genres of music and approach it with the curiosity of a student, not yeah. as a know-it-all. And that is that if Kanye wants to see why Drake's career is continuing to go this way and his career continues to go this way, there it is right there. Yeah. That's, that's so well said. I mean, that I think is a stark difference between them and not like Drake doesn't have his flaws either, but yep. clearly what he's done with his team and the way that he's built loyalty around him, the way he's built community around him, he's maintained a level of authenticity that Kanye has not been able to maintain. Yep. Yep. You know, and you can, you can have fun with media. You can do certain things, but none of the, the, the stupid attention seeking stuff, like when Drake rents out the Dodger stadium, he knows what he's doing. We know yeah. he's doing it for attention. And but... let's just let's just point that out. That's the right way to attention whores. You tip off TMZ and you do some shit. That's like the way it's been done in entertainment to keep it subtle. Yeah. But the way that Kanye does it with the tweets and with all of that stuff, it's the same. Like this was my distaste with Trump. The way that he interacted on Twitter. Yeah. Why? Why do you yeah. why do you need to position yourself that way? You have so much influence and power in just your presence in a location alone. 
why don't you get a little clever about how you create that reaction? Because it's it's no secret you need to create that to be able to move product, right? Mm -hmm. Like no disrespect to, you know, that part of the process. I mean, reality TV stars have to do it, right? The Kardashians do it. Like you can make money like that, but even the Kardashians, like there's a level of taste that they've risen to at this stage that Kanye is not able to sit at. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, uh, both of us are big believers in reading, you know, and, and we've both probably touched on books like the 48 laws of power, Machiavelli, art of war, all of these books that kind of like create strategies in which I think a lot of people read these books and think they have to live their life <laughs> according to these books. You know yeah. what I mean? Like and it's wartime. Con- yeah. <laughs> I think Kanye's read way too many of these books and has forgotten who he is. Yeah. Because what you do when you read something and you see something that's valuable, you apply it to what you're doing. You don't take on that persona. There's only one Machiavelli. There's only one Sun Tzu. They wrote the book from their perspective. So you can take pieces. But when you start living your life according to these rules, I just think a lot of people don't know what the collateral damage is um, that comes with it. Yeah. I think what you're describing there is is one of the key things that really gives fame so much power over society is like the implicit assumption that somebody famous actually knows more than you do, right? Yeah. Like you you see it with books, you see it with motivational speakers and videos like that's just a person telling you what worked for them at the end yep. of the day. There can be depth that they reach, there can be perspective that they help you build, but like the real teachers in this world are the ones who ask you questions cuz life yep. is a solo journey. It's your journey, right? So it's like if someone's telling you how to live life, they probably don't know anything about how to live life. No, they don't. <laughs> that, I, that, that to me is like the takeaway out of this is like, don't worship these people. Just like appreciate them. Like you can yeah. still appreciate this project from Kanye. Like I'm happy he put out an album despite all of the the criticisms I have for it. But my my goal with my strong comments today are it's only to show people that it's okay to have a criticism and still support someone. It's not like I'm rooting for Kanye's downfall either. Like I hope for him to get his shit together, get happier, like communicate in a healthier way, like be on his timelines. Like I hope that he really ties it all together, but you can still call it out when someone's not doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole circle of life thing, is is important and understanding we live in an ecosystem you have a role to play you know and you've been blessed um in a certain way and you can choose i feel like there are two ways that people who are blessed can handle those blessings one is in a positive way and one is in a negative way and you have the option to do both and i just never understand why people continue to double down on using power in a negative way because once you have power, that power isn't threatened by helping other, pulling other people up. It yeah. isn't, it isn't threatened when you, you know, give people credit for being good at what they do as well. It's, it actually helps everything get better. And unfortunately in society, I think also celebrity culture is a big of that, even creating this stratosphere of people who operate in a world that us normal people don't operate in. You know, yeah, like yeah. even creating that social hierarchy, it, it it doubles down on that. And artists and celebrities who 
because they've been through, they have a chip on their shoulder and the way they act out. Like there are certain people in these industries where they constantly are talking about how they know everything. Like, you know, I, I beat, I beat the industry. I'm, I'm winning everyone. Like you don't need to say that. Like why, <laughs> why shut the fuck up and 100%, just keep winning. A hundred percent. Yeah. Especially because that draws way too much of the wrong type of attention. You don't need to tell anybody who you're winning against. Just let them know you're winning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this whole receipt, I got to yeah. pull the receipts and show you yeah, the receipts. Just like, show me show me your trip to Greece. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that lets me know you're doing pretty good, right? Yeah. Like I don't need to see anything else. I don't need to know how much money you make. I had, I've had someone tell me their entire net worth before. It's like I didn't I didn't need to know that, nor did I care. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, good for you. It's not gonna change anything about my life knowing that information. If you lead with your net worth, your values are probably a little off. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh man. But it's you so know, funny. it is, it is, it is what it is. Um, but it's good to see that to really know the contrast. You can operate in many different ways. We we went through three different kind of icons in music. Nelly, who has reinvented himself. Kanye, who continues to destroy himself. And Drake, who continues to push himself, right? To be better and be greater, right? So it's like, there are two good examples there and one ex one bad example. Yeah. And unfortunately, like you said, we all respect Kanye, but he's not He's not a good role model or a good example for anyone to live their life. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, the, the artist I respect the most is J. Cole. Yeah. That's a dude who I just feel like has most of his shit figured out. He's brave about going after the things he wants to. He's not limited in terms of being too nervous to put out a project. He doesn't like sit for too long and he's always doing some shit. Plus, he's built a community that's very passionate about the ideals that he lives by and they consume his music and the artists that he signs because they all align on values. Like that's what we heard when we spoke to Reza on this podcast, that's what he said about the Dreamville camp. He's like, interacting with the Dreamville camp is a pleasure because they all do business the same way. That's yep. how he built it. It's like a true, true cultural team, right? And like that, that's fucking aspirational. Yeah, because the truth is that you can't be friends with everyone. You can't, mm -hmm. you know, and accomplish anything, right? You can be a social butterfly and make friends with everyone, but you have to find the people who are aligned with you and go after shit together. Yeah. You, know? you have and to understand that like going after famous people does nothing after you meet that person. But when you build something with a crew, you guys become the famous people and then you have yep. that leverage forever. Yep. You do. You do. And eh, anyways, you know, that's life. Uh, that's it's hard. Life. It's hard for people to not chase clout fame money you know what i mean like well when that's what's being re people people generally re respond to what they're being educated by right your environment dictates a lot and yeah. unfortunately we live in an environment now in which everyone is just profiting a, a, around chaos and clout right yep. like yep keep people distracted keep people unproductive Small number of people, these tech companies and people at the top of the power structure, they're loving this right now because they can just control everything. It's like chaos. 
keep keep it chaotic and keep people distracted and keep the power in your hands. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So and I mean, that's how it goes. You know, I think part of the reason, too, with this podcast, like if we wanted if we wanted to grow our following, there's a certain way we could do it. Yeah. And it wouldn't be authentic to to either of us. Right. And I think like this is a part of the compromise you have to make with yourself. Like you you said it in a previous podcast, V, or maybe it was just on a phone call, but there's a price for every outcome. Yeah. Right. I think I think it was a deep dive. This is one of those things. It's like you can go after these measurables or you can do what makes you happy and live with the position that you end up in. And maybe it's a position that doesn't have 9 million followers, 10 million followers, whatever that is. Okay, so be it, right? But yeah. at least you're happy and doing what you love to do every day. Yep, 100%, 100%. Understand what you value and pay the price to get what you value. It's very life. tough to find people who don't change their decision-making based on things like fame and attention. No, it's, it's nearly impossible. Right. And also, Absolutely. even if they are drawn by that, helping them unlearn that and unpackage that yeah, and, and push toward a different direction is really hard too. You yeah. Know? Straight up. If you're able to, to find a group like that, it doesn't have to be a lot. It can just be a few, you know, you can do some pretty powerful things in this world. Yeah. And you'll be happy because you'll have your tribe and everybody kind of is happy within that tribe. There's not disruption within it. There's not as much conflict. And if there is conflict, which conflict always happens, you have a healthy way of resolving it. Right. Yep. So, and most of the time when you feel like triggered with something, it's usually you, you are the problem. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not the other. If someone does something that rubs you the wrong way, it's probably, it's probably on you. Right. Like that's why I'm saying that the caveats, even with the Kanye stuff, it's not like we're emotionally triggered by Kanye. We're just objectively reading into it and just stating for people like, hey, here's a way you can assess the situation where you don't have to dislike any of his work. You know what I mean? You, like everyone has their own opinion on whether they like a song or not, like have your opinion. But it's factual to acknowledge the way somebody treats other people. It is. It is. And you it know? should be acknowledged, you know. It should be. And, you know, the truth, the truth about experience in life is that you have to learn literally through experience. Right. And it's like one of the greatest lessons in, in the four agreements is to not take anything personally. Yeah. Right. And but it's easier said than done. The only way that you're going to learn to not take things personally is having enough experience of, with the consequences of taking things personally. You're not going to learn any other way, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hitting the nail on the head today. <laughs> oh, oh well. man. So moving forward, let's talk about Certified Loverboy a little bit. This this album's coming out. You know, the day you guys are listening to this podcast, it'll be out that evening. I'll probably do a listening party, probably a solo listening party, honestly, but... <laughs> I'm going to listen to this thing front to back every single word. I take my music seriously. So if I'm listening to a new album, if anyone in the room speaks, I'm upset. Yeah. That's, that's my vibe. Yeah. That's generally also how I like watching sporting events. Me too. Stuff. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the environment of a football party or a watch party. I, if it's a serious game, I want to watch it. I want it. Every play, every yep. adjustment. Yeah. You want to watch the defense pre-snap. You want to see. Yeah. 
Bro, we watch things the same way because we genuinely yeah. have passion for these crafts. Yeah. 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 There's no reason to invest in something if you're not going to invest in it for real. Yeah, 100%. I hate, <laughs> you know, I hate having I hate something on just to have it on. Yeah, I hate That's superficial. How, yeah. Superficial. <laughs> <laughs> you see it so much these days. Like, you see, like, everybody wants to just, like, have some shit running while they're doing something else. Yeah. Like, it's very hard. Yeah. Yeah, it's built or a lot of stuff is also built on social engagement and interaction, right? Yeah. We see this with Ohio State football. Like, 95 percent of the fans don't give a damn what's going on in the field they just want to see the score at the end yeah the experience of the tailgate going to the game being around yeah. their friends that's what's driving yeah uh, the <laughs> driving culture the it's yeah. a cultural and yeah. so be it right like same thing at yeah. at concerts and all of that like 90 percent of people are just there for the vibe yeah that's yeah. fine nothing wrong yeah. with that right. just but, not you know, us yeah <laughs> and it goes down to you know, maybe we were the oddballs. Maybe, we, you know, maybe we are, you know. I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, maybe we're the guys at the concert who bring binders with all the lyrics in there. <laughs> Composition notebooks. <laughs> we're taking notes. <laughs> I have taken notes at a concert before. Oh, wow. But it was it's just visuals and stuff that I thought were super sick. Yeah, I did yeah. that. I did that once at um, pretty crazy. I went to a South by Southwest showcase event. Mm -hmm. The first show was Chance the Rapper, and the second show on the same stage was J. Cole. Oh, wow. And, and seeing the contrast in terms of performance styles where Chance... What's Chance's style? I've never seen him. Dude, his visuals, it's all visual. It's like watching a movie. Until mm -hmm. I saw him perform live, I didn't his music didn't resonate with me. Chance that is an amazing much. artist who, yeah. unfortunately, hasn't put out good music in a while, but he's an amazing artist. Yeah, his creative energy is great. It's just that he needs to figure out a lane musically um, again that makes sense. You know, yeah. um, I, I think like it probably starts with making some authentic life decisions. Yeah, yeah. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, back to the visuals at the concert South by. Was the difference between what was J. Cole's this performance one you like have for you? Truly visually appealing, intense show, right? And then you have J. Cole, which is just an organic, gets on stage, fans know his music word for word, and it's just a natural organic vibe. It's like he came out of his bedroom <laughs> and decided to grab a mic. Yeah, and right. On stage. And it's amazing how, like you said, staying true to self staying true to self is exactly um what's most important like be authentic yep. and find your audience and that's why taking notes even mental notes in observing these things you can apply that to whatever you're doing in life right which one am i you yeah. know i am never going to be the chance the rapper who puts that much thought into my performance and everything around my performance but I can be a J. Cole and lead with authenticity. That's probably why J. Cole resonates more with me than Chance the Rapper. Yeah, know? 100%. And, you know, I think I think Chance is, I've seen him live as well on a no, in a normal concert scenario. And he was really great. And then J. Cole, I've seen like five, six, I've, I've seen every J. Cole tour, um, except for one. And he is just like, 
I don't know how you scale that organic. Like I've never seen that deep of a personal connection happen in a full stadium. Yeah. Until I saw J. Cole. Yeah. By the end of the chant show, the J. Cole fans were like, hurry up and get off the stage, dude. <laughs> <laughs> J. Cole, man, like he his the only show where you see so many people weeping and it's from joy, right? Yeah. Like they just connect so deeply with the message and the lyrics. It's a it's a powerful experience. It's very church-like. And I also have to give J. Cole credit. His musical team that he brings on, the drummer, the guitarist, yeah. what they do with the beats, like the beats sound one way on the record, but when they play it live, it's such an elevated sonic experience compared to what it was on the record. The arrangements are more thorough. The harmonies are more thought out. The progressions are more pronounced in terms of what you hear as a listener, that it just elevates his rap to a whole different level yeah it does it does it does. the only concert where i didn't feel that way was the kod tour to be honest yes. yeah. yeah yeah but every yeah. tour before that especially 2014 forest hills and born center born center was sonically like for me one of the best shows i've ever been to he did it not at a concert venue he did it at a, an actual theater where they do plays in atlanta and there was like there were interludes there was like this whole thematic element that he had been in a car accident was in a coma and like the way he positioned the album he didn't even play the songs in order he built a new narrative out of the songs it was just an unbelievable experience he had like lighting in ways where he was silhouetted at times yeah. like it was sick dude yeah yeah he's very intentional with how he builds out his his uh his performances right and they always stick to being organic and authentic regardless yeah. of what elements he adds um from a performance standpoint yeah now i just um, you know you guys have seen some fandom now yeah you're like dude <laughs> we just got a whole discourse that you, if you let me go on j cole i'll go yeah you should write a book you should write a book on j, on j cole's impact on my life i honestly could probably fill a few hundred pages <laughs> <laughs> oh man well the last last thing we'll talk about which we talked about quite a bit over the last week is two things actually um starkly different things is one of one of my favorite cities was hit hard by a hurricane once again um the city of new orleans and its surrounding areas again are facing chaos and destruction um really sad to see that they can't figure out a way to fix the levees fix the city to protect it because it's one of the most culturally rich cities you can ever visit the food is great the music culture is great it's really a gem of truly american culture because when you talk about that creole culture it just it's just like a blend of everything right um just sad to see i hope uh, very resilient but you hate to see every few years this city just get completely destroyed like this yeah you know? yeah it's sad it's really sad and your new orleans is such a amazing cultural hub with amazing people um but it's a city that architecturally is a mistake in yeah. terms of how it's built and also their governor government isn't the greatest either <laughs> everything is corrupt over there too yeah. which doesn't doesn't help i'm sure plenty of funds that were meant for infrastructure got diverted um elsewhere 
yeah. inappropriately yeah. along the Maybe way. into some personal infrastructure investments. <laughs> <laughs> and the second story, of course, is the continued chaos in Afghanistan. You and I are pretty in line with this thing. Once you understand how the world operates, it's like, okay, I'm not surprised by it. It's sadly not surprised by anything that's going on. Joe Biden is t- and his administration, rightfully so, are taking criticism. But this doesn't start with Joe Biden, doesn't end with Joe Biden. Trump made many mistakes here. Obama made many mistakes. The Bush administration that initially went into Afghanistan made many mistakes. Again, it is the arrogance of power structures to think that they can just go into other countries and dictate how they operate without collateral damage. We're seeing the collateral damage deeply now. Um, It's unfortunate to see, but what we are going to see is a boon in defense contracts and um, these big defense contractors that have very critical relationships with powerful governments make a lot of money in the next few years as a result of this, this new unrest in the Middle East. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, uh, that's the reality of it, man. You know, their yeah. war is a very profitable, profitable game to be a part of. And, uh, you know, a lot of people have gotten hip to how to be a part of that. Um, contracting is, it's way a lot of people make a lot of money and they don't necessarily talk about it. Right. Like yeah. that, that whole situation, everything in politics is basically your masterclass on don't talk about shit you don't need to talk about we talked (laughs) about this on the music side too right music and entertainment like (laughs) there's just things you don't need to share with people and there's things people don't need to know about you yeah (laughs) that's just a better way to live keep your shit low key share what needs to be shared present yourself in an authentic way but just no need to tell everyone everything yeah exactly (laughs) And, you know, they do have to figure out a way to pay for all these COVID shots they've been giving us for free. <laughs> yeah. <For> free. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty interesting time, honestly. It's it's a time that I find hard to take seriously. Like when people do get I've had people get upset. I made a comment on social media about uh, uh, COVID shots. And I was just like, I just don't believe in forcing people to to take a shot. Right. And uh People have gotten very upset at me for that. <laughs> and you know, at the end of the day, it's like I I just I just don't think shit's that serious. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in general, like there's a lot of fear around this. There's a lot of like opinions around this. And I think at the end of the day, like it should be people's choice on what they put in their bodies, right? Like if if you're the government there's different ways you can ensure the same outcome in terms of getting people to take their shots. You could lobby against private. So you could call the NBA, the NFL, MLB and say, Hey, we want you to put in vaccine rules, right? We want you to put in like X, Y, Z. There's a lot of ways you could do it through a free market approach. And I feel like the government doesn't necessarily use its influence and position of power enough in terms of like making requests out of private industries Instead, it's the other way around where the private industries tell the government what to do. And these guys are getting elected into these positions. So they kind of owe favors all around. Right. You mm-hmm. could you could 100 percent flip that dynamic pretty quickly. Yeah. The, the general principle is if if 
if something doesn't make life, if they're not following the logic and there's a common sense solution to something and that's not what's happening, you know that there's some corruption going on. That's a, yeah. that's the red flag. And you just, I feel like as citizens, we have to stop being so angry and just accept it for what it is and, and, and focus on the influence we can have on our own lives. I feel like COVID specifically has created a scenario and a situation now where everyone is so focused on what's happening at the macro environment, what the government's doing, what Joe Biden's doing, what the corporations are doing, that they're not focused on their own race at all yeah. um, in, in any real meaningful way. It's like everyone's just angry about these external factors where I'm a big supporter of advocacy groups and people taking stands, but support those groups, give them a donation, help those people out instead of thinking all the time that your opinion on Twitter and your opinion on mm -hmm. Facebook, your opinion on Instagram or TikTok matters so much that you have to constantly tell people what you think about everything that's going <laughs> on. Like, you know, let yeah, yeah. I mean, it's exhaust. It's exhausting to hear people voice the same shit all the time. It's more exhausting to see people in real life and see them personally get triggered in person with yeah. certain things, right? Like to me, it's, it's very easy to be tolerant of other people's views. Yes. I meet a lot of people who see the world really differently than I do. Yeah. I'm super strong on my views as well. So you're not going to change my perspective, but I will always try to find compromise with you. It's just part of my nature. Right. Yeah. And it's like, I think that's, we can all be a little bit more solid in our views, but at the same time, be open to understanding that other people have different views and it's okay to have different views. Nobody's right. Nobody's wrong. There is no, there's no correct answer to many of the situations we're in like COVID vaccination. There's no, there's no correct answer here. This is an yeah. extremely nuanced and complicated topic that could have repercussions forever. If yeah. we make decisions one way or another, honestly, and yeah. we have to weigh those and, and really like the people we voted are the people who we trust to make that call right and like that, that's kind of what you have to live with i think it's 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 um stupid to assume that you're right going into yeah. a conversation like the only thing you can be right about is that everyone has a right to their own opinion if that yeah. your viewpoint is not you're allowed to think what you think then you're wrong yep yep and it goes back full circle as we as we as we close this out right don't take it personally yeah. Like the more you absorb and the more you put yourself in a position to receive all the information that's being developed around you, the more you'll learn, the more you think in this way of like, my opinion is the only opinion that matters, the less you're going to learn, the less you're going to grow, the less you're going to understand. You know, you look foolish when you have such a dogmatic view on things where you can't even listen to the other side of the argument, right? Yep. Um, you're only going to hurt yourself. And, and the sooner you learn that in life, I think that comes with time. It comes with age. It comes with a lot of things. But the sooner you learn that lesson, the less this stuff is going to have the negative impact on your psychology um, that it really should not have. You cannot yeah. control what's happening in Afghanistan right now. You cannot control the COVID pandemic by yourself right now. Just absorb the information, 
listen to all the perspectives and just move in the best interests of, of, of society. If you can on certain things, you know? Yeah. And honestly, man, like if you need something else to do, listen to Donda. (laughs) (laughs) That will definitely take up a lot of your time. It'll take two hours off your plate. You'll be confused for a few days after. (laughs) Why the same song playing again? (laughs) Again? (laughs) With that said, we've, we've, we've had another great, great episode um college football is back so we're we're talking to zach smith um as well um on the front end of this show we we talk college football that was exciting as well so back to the normal format guys uh hope hope you're you're tuned in and ready for an exciting football season as well as parth and i continuing to rant on weekly topics Get on.